In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I have to unfog my glasses. Well, it's good to be back at my sponsoring parish. So for those of you that um, don't know me, I was a member here many, many years ago. And I have to confess that each time I am asked to preach, I have a flashback. So over about, about 15 years ago, um, I was entering the church and doing the service at the 8 o'clock service, doing the sermon at the 8 o'clock service, my very first sermon at Trinity. And one of our beloved parishioners um, stopped me as I was walking in, knees knocking, stomach churning. It's always a little intimidating to be preaching at your own church. But he stopped me and he said, 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> 10 minutes. And then um, during the service, he went to the back of the chapel and kept going. <laughs> 10 minutes. So I have never forgotten those words of wisdom. And so it will be less than 10 minutes. <laughs> It's always a funny story, but it's so true. And I'll tell you all who it was later for those of you who would like to know. But anyway, when I was preparing for this gospel lesson, I went back to my files of old sermons. You know, I don't know if Hannah does that, but I went back to my old files thinking, well, I haven't been here to preach this one before, so maybe there's something in my file that I could dust off. So I go back, search the, uh, the, the, the documents, and fifth Sunday in Lent, nothing. All right, so then I go back six years, because you know we have that three-year cycle, do the uh, search, still nothing. So this time I went back to the bulletins, to the church where I was before, and it's like, well, why do I not have a sermon for this, for this gospel? And it turned out that for each year that this gospel was read, I assigned someone else to preach. So I wonder, is that what Hannah did? <laughs> But it took me a while to sort of figure out, what was this about? So um, one of the things that I did to prepare was to use the Lectio Divina. Are some of you familiar with that? Where you read the scripture a few times and you look for a word that steps out, comes out, jumps out at you, and then you look for a phrase that steps out for you, and then there's the question, what is God asking me to do today? So I did that. So the word that, stepped, that jumped out at me at first when I read this gospel lesson was why. Why? Why wasn't the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Why? Now that was not the reason for my why, but that word in the sentence jumped out to me. And then I was looking for, in the second reading, second time I read the gospel, was looking for the phrase. And the phrase that continued to jump out at me was a very expensive aromatic oil. I don't know why that one stepped out, but it did. Now the third time I read the scripture, and it was in a different translation, there was no word, but there is a question that we are to ask. And answer is, from what I've heard, what I've felt, what do, what do I believe God wants me to do? or be, 
Is God inviting me to change in any way? So I'm going to go back to the, not the why yet, I'll come back to that, but the very expensive aromatic oil. Many consider that an extravagant gift, an extravagant giving. And in a sermon by Elizabeth Eaton, she says the following about extravagant giving. We seem to suffer from a common cultural weariness where extravagance is concerned. Whether we distrust the impulse behind the gift or feel somewhat at a loss by our own inability to reciprocate, or it's just the generosity is just makes us too uncomfortable. Now, going off script, I wanted to ask you, like when somebody gives you something that's really extravagant, really priceless, have you ever asked them, how much did that cost? <laughs> I hear some laughter. And if you don't ask it out loud, you're actually thinking it, right? But today's reading from John's Gospel tells the story of Mary's extravagant gift of a very expensive aromatic oil. And Judas has just made us uncomfortable by commenting on it. Now, if you recall, I'm going to just recap the Gospel a little bit. Jesus is in the town of Bethany on his way to Jerusalem for the very last time. He stops to spend the evening with Lazarus, whom he has recently raised from the dead. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus' disciples are all there having dinner, catching up, fellowship. Now, we don't know a whole lot about the conversation that they had going on at that dinner table, but there is one important piece here. It is clear that Mary knows what is to come. It is clear that she understands this is his last journey to Jerusalem. When Lazarus came back to life, stumbling out of the grave, word spread about Jesus even faster than before. This was Jesus' most incredible miracle yet, the defeat of death itself. And it caused many people to believe in him, but it also caused many to fear. Therefore, there were plans to try to remove him. But not only was Jesus at risk, so was Lazarus. He was the resurrected one. So they were both at risk. Now, gathered around the dinner table with family, Mary seems to know, as I said, what's coming. She and her family are about to lose their dear friend. But that doesn't stop Mary. Time is short, and the grief is plentiful as they break the bread together in Bethany. I like to refer to this supper as the supper before the Last Supper, when Mary pours out her very expensive aromatic gift on Jesus, anointing him before he anoints us with the sacrifice of his death on the cross. This is a very extravagant gift. From my Lecto Divina, I ask myself again, from what have I heard, felt, what do I believe God wants me to do or be? Is God calling me or inviting me to change in some way? And upon reflection on this, it is most uncomfortable when I think about Judas speaking up, kind of trying to throw Mary under the bus for his own intentions, and we will always encounter that. But thankfully, Mary stands strong. Mary knows what she is doing. She loves her Lord and she is going to show that she loves her Lord. 
But after a moment of criticism, and Mary continues to care for her Lord, to prepare him for what is to come. It reminds me in my question, what is God asking me to do, is to also stand as strong as Mary. To stand as strong in the face of adversity, to stand as strong when we see all kinds of crazy things going in the world. And trust me, I have had my conversations with God about the Ukraine. But we are to stand strong. So as we move from Holy Week, move from Lent to Holy Week, it would be a challenge for us to ask ourselves, what is it that God is inviting me to do? What is God inviting me to change in any way? We, need, we must recognize that Jesus has given us the most expensive extravagant gift. So what do we do in return? Unlike Mary, who sat with him before, we can pay it forward. Like Mary, we can show our love generously and abundantly to each other and all of those that we meet. And therefore, as we're doing this, we're showing our love for Christ. Now back again to my Lecto Divina. My one word was why. Why? Because he first loved me. That's the word that came to me. Why? And then, the very expensive gift. I realize that there are things that we hold on to sometimes that keep us away from the love of Christ. And I realize that I have nothing, I own nothing, that is equivalent to what he has given us. And then what am I to do or what am I to be? Simply to take the time to sit at the feet of Jesus as Mary did, as she did before the dinner, and let go of those things that separate me from accepting his unconditional love. And I invite you to do the same thing. Amen.